It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When you look at this season, should David Bell and or Nick Crawl be on the hot seat? There's lots of things to consider, and we're going to cover all of those things on today's podcast here. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on Reds after a Reds victory over the Cubbies four to three at Wrigley Field. That's two out of three. If you're counting in the series on the road in Chicago, love to see that. Thank you for making locked on Reds. Your first listen of the day. This being a post game show, probably not your first listen, but we thank you for listening in any way because locked on Reds is part of the locked on podcast network, your team, every single day. Day. We are your red legs every day. I am Jeff Carr. Steve Offenbaker is not here with us today. He'll be back on the next podcast, but we cover the Cincinnati Reds every single day because we have been addicted to this team for our entire lives. And we've turned that addiction into information for you. On today's show, we're going to recap this series that the Reds have. Look at a couple of guys. Alejo Lopez. Man, he's just a dude that absolutely intrigues me. We're going to talk about Alejo Lopez, going to talk about this bullpen, where I think Alexis Diaz ranks, and why it wasn't even my own thought that confirmed it. And we're going to take your questions, your comments, and your reactions to the question of should David Bell and or Nick Crawl be on the hot seat? Please respond in the comments section below. Or if you're listening here, uh, if you're watching this and you're not on the live edition, hit us up on Twitter. You can hit me up at Jeff Carr with three Fs, or you can hit the show up at Locked On Reds. All right, let's start off first, though, with this win because the Red Legs got a big win. And I say big, not because now this says, oh, hey, look at this. They're going to get back into some sort of playoff race. I'm not even saying that they're going to even sniff the over. I know we've been talking about the over of 73 and a half wins for most of the season. No, I am am not under any delusion that the over is going to happen. I know that I love the over, and I know that you know that I love the over, but it's not going to happen. However, 
games like today are exactly why you watch this team right now when people say why are you still watching the reds you say because i want to see some of the young guys show out i want to see what these guys got and we saw what these guys got you saw some nice performances luis sessa pitched really well and yet another start for him i wonder how many more starts we will see as hunter green is finishing up on a rehab assignment he does have another start coming this sunday still not really sure why but yeah another rehab start coming so we should see him at some point next week but with the rotation getting a little bit healthy i wonder how many more starts we'll see from Luis sessa but a great performance by him that led to a great day overall for the red legs and i think it's time oh yeah five o'clock somewhere that's right got a grateful spinner from fretboard if you have not tried fretboard in blue ash you absolutely have to go check it out. i think they they've also got a tap room in hamilton as well uh coming up with a uh, big tap room down in norwood that i think is probably going to be ready at some point next year but we're celebrating with a grateful spinner here today as the reds take the series against the cubbies but first off i want to start because there was a vote there at the end of the game as the game was on YouTube, if you didn't get a ch chance to check it out, the uh, YouTube game of the week, and I believe it was their last broadcast of the season, was the Reds and the Cubs. And I have a bone to pick about the YouTube game of the week. It has nothing to do with broadcasters, just the way that, you know, it, it's all set up. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But when I look at this game, I loved the pick at the end of game or player of the game between Jonathan India and Alejo Lopez. And it was a great uh, debate because honestly, I looked at that and I said, man, Alejo Lopez came up with a big at bat in a big spot to tie this game. And he came up with a triple. However, you can also ascribe that triple to some poor defense on the part of the Cubs, something that they have shown. Definitely proving to me that the Cubs and the Reds are pretty much the same team. Pretty much the same franchise in the same situation right now. Now, in the offseason, there's going to be a difference because the Cubs are going to go out and they're going to spend some money and they're going to get better. The Reds are going to continue to build from within and grow their players and things like that. So we're not going to see the similarities next year. But this year, plenty of similarities. However, it was nice to see the Reds win without having to have Aristides Aquino hit a million home runs against the Cubs as he is wont to do. But I love seeing that at bat from Alejo Lopez coming off the bench, pinch hitting, left-handed, a nice strike into the gap that just splits the defense. Like this guy, and Cowboy said it on the radio broadcast, if you didn't get a chance to hear uh, Tommy and the Cowboy talking about this game, Cowboy mentioned that, you know, Alejo Lopez' career is most likely that of a bench player. That's probably what he's looking at from here on out. He's a guy who's going to have to come in and pinch hit in tight spots, maybe be a defensive replacement, maybe be a pinch runner in some key areas. And when he comes up big in spots like that, that's what you're hoping for. That's what you want to see out of a guy that you're like, yes, you're going to be our you know first or second guy off the bench. And I really think that he's got a spot on this team in the future if that's what we're talking about. If we're expecting him to be a starter, I'm not so sure yet. I, I'm very excited about Alejo Lopez, and I've talked about him before, but I don't necessarily see that. I don't see him unseating anyone in the infield because you're talking about 
future shortstop, Ellie De La Cruz. We talked about him on today's podcast. If you didn't see it, it was released shortly before the game. So that's kind of my fault. That's not anyone else's fault. But I talked about Ellie De La Cruz and the bright future that he has for the Reds. And the reason that we are so excited about what the Reds have in store for us here in the future. But overall, I, I look at Alejo Lopez and I think, yes, you know, like to make a basketball analogy, he's a good sixth man or, or to make a, you know, he's a good first guy off the bench, a good pinch hitter, but he showed us exactly why when he had that huge pinch hit triple, you know, thanks to the Cubbies on that one, but Jonathan India as well, coming up clutch in a situation where he just needed to put the ball in play. How many times in this day and age, do we see situations where it's like, oh gosh, all you got to do is put the bat on the ball. All you got to do is put it in play and guys don't do it. Jonathan India did that. He forced the defense to make a play. This Cubs defense did not make a play and the Reds ended up going ahead and winning. Love to see how those guys both performed. And of course you had the Homer from Kyle farmer earlier in the game which was good to see. But overall, the lineup here did just enough. This is the kind of game that the Reds will win. We've mentioned this a couple of different times on the pod in the past, is that this lineup is not going to pour it on. If they pour it on, it's because they have one dude who absolutely goes off like Aristides Aquino did the other night with a multi-homer game. Otherwise, if they win, they're going to win 4-3. to three. They're going to win 3-2. to two. They're going to win 2-1. to one. It's got to be about the pitching. And boy, did the pitching show out today. Now, I know that my favorite red that's currently healthy, Alexis Diaz, did give up a home run. But that's also the kind of inning that an elite relief pitcher, yes, I said elite, an elite relief pitcher has. If you give up a home run, it's a solo shot, and that's it. That's all you give up. You don't give up any more runs. You don't unravel. You don't lose control. He didn't lose control. He pitched well around that. And sure, you can say, well, that was a long fly ball from Ian Happ that just had to happen to find a very deep part of Wrigley Field. Whatever, you know, you, know, you just got to pitch with what you got. And I think Alexis Diaz did a great job of that. I got some interesting thoughts on him coming up here in a few minutes. But I do want to get our first check in because, okay, so the question that I asked, with this season, the way that the Reds have played, the, the win-loss record that we see, is David Bell and or, either both or one or the other, Nick Crawl, on the hot seat? Because this is a question that I saw on The Athletic the other day. They had a roundtable of NL Central beat reporters and uh, different ones, you know, C. Trent joined by all the other teams' beat reporters answering questions, and they answered if their team's management were on the hot seat. And C. Trent said no. And you know what? I don't think I disagree with them. And it's nothing, uh, not not anything of their doing. And, and, and the response from Carrick Melvin kind of puts it nicely. It's like, it wasn't his fault the Reds were sellers. Um, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Carrick said. Because, look, Bell can only put players on the field who are on the roster. He has no control over the roster. He has some say. He, he can put in his two cents, but it's not as if he makes decisions. I don't look at either one of them and say that, yes, I believe they should be on the hot seat. That's just not where I'm at. We're going to talk about Jose Barrero. We're going to talk about what I've been seeing from him lately, some things that he's been doing, and then also a comment that the broadcasters on the YouTube broadcast made about Alexis Diaz that I'm really in favor of. 
We'll get to that here in just a moment. But as summer's winding down, the nights are getting longer. But the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever that opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman. Because when their package arrives, their package arrives. So if you could benefit from an extra confidence boost when it's time to perform, chew it and then do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners today. Try out Blue Chew for free when you use the promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive your first month for free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank BlueChew for sponsoring today's podcast. Thanks again for checking out this post-game live edition. If you're not listening live, thank you for uh, listening and watching. As always, make sure that you're subscribed and hit that bell to get notified whenever we go live like this. Steve and I are going to do this a little bit more often. He had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, wasn't able to join me here today. But as Bassface says... I'm glad to be live after a Reds win, too. That was an awesome victory. And kind of looking at some of the performances there, there was one play in the ninth inning that I think we all kind of have the same feelings about. And Debbie Brown definitely uh, voices that in her comment. Yeah, that was a pretty bad bunt. Uh, pretty bad at bat total uh, if you're really wanting to bunt. I didn't really understand the call there. That was one of those calls that I'm just like, okay, David Bell, maybe not. Maybe we're overthinking this a little bit. Just let the dude swing away. But the good news was he didn't hit into a double play, so that was good. But overall, yeah, I, I don't see the need for a bunt there, and that could have been a lot worse than it ended up being. Hey, really great play for the Cubs, really great defensive play, but – Overall, that call just did not make sense to me. I, I don't understand where they said, yeah, bunt. That's a good one here, but I, I just don't understand. Um, Barrero as a whole, though, here recently, I, I feel like I've seen something different. The numbers aren't saying that. The numbers are not corroborating that he is different, that he is better. But I feel like he has had better at-bats. He's seen the ball better, or at least for once, he's actually choosing to lay off of the low-and-away pitch. And when it comes to Barrero, that's the first step. Because he came up here free-swinging at any pitch that came plateward, and he was striking out quite a bit. Now, the hits that he got were pretty hard hit, but... Overall, you've got to see more plate discipline from Barrero because he has got an enormous amount of pressure on him because all he keeps hearing is all we keep hearing, and that is Ellie De La Cruz, Player of the Week. Ellie De La Cruz, Player of the Month. Ellie De La Cruz, Best Minor League Player Ever in the History of Minor Leagues. Okay, 
That might be a little bit far, but Ellie De La Cruz is proving that the future is very bright at shortstop for the Reds because that dude is a generational talent. So if Jose Barrero is going to be the shortstop of the future, like we have been saying he's going to be for the last two years, he's got to take a hold of it, and he's got less than a month to do it. Because next year, I think if we go into next year with a question mark at shortstop about Jose Barrero, Maybe he gets a short leash. Maybe he doesn't. But if he gets anything, it's going to be a short leash. Because I can totally see Ellie De La Cruz coming up later on next year. Now, I don't think it's going to be in July or anything like that. It's going to be late August, maybe a September call-up or something like that. But when you look at how Jose Barrero is performing... You've got to see better plate discipline. I'm seeing that. I, he's having better at-bats where he sees the ball well. It's just now he has to combine the fact that he actually hits the ball and not lots of foul-offs and things like that. He's working a couple of walks here recently, but overall, I really need to see him put it all together. I will say this. Um, looking forward to next year. The key thing, if the Reds are going to make a move, they've got to they've got to get some bullpen help, man, because they've got some studs who could be in the rotation. I mean, we already know the top three: Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, in some form, probably Lodolo, Green, Ashcraft, or Lodolo, Ashcraft, Green. Um, but you also have Justin Dunn, who is really pitched well his last three or four starts, and then you've got some other guys who could make a play for the fifth spot on the rotation guys like Andrew Abbott and Brandon Williamson haven't heard a lot from Brandon Williams Williamson lately although the stats that I've seen have not necessarily been that impressive they've just kind of been okay but the tools are still saying he could be a back end of the rotation type dude and really what you rely on are scouting reports on the tools because that was also something about Ellie De La Cruz the scouting grades on his tools are just absolutely phenomenal but I I think that when you look at um, the the rotation, it, it looks pretty good. The lineup is coming along. You've got so many dudes who are going to fill in some key spots in the lineup over the next two years. I don't necessarily think you need to go out and get somebody in the offseason. I think the only thing that they need to do is go for the bullpen. And this is where I'm getting at because Carrick Melvin, our buddy Carrick Melvin, says Reds won't be trying to compete next season. Who do you think they could get? No one with other options. Yeah, that, that's the thing, too. And, and a lot of people are saying, you know, why don't they re-sign Solano or something like that? I think Solano is going to go to a contender. I think he deserves to go to a contender because he's at the point in his career where he's kind of got to get some playoff experience or else he's just not going to experience it. But overall, I, I think that the guys that they're going to go for, they've got to be better than the Jeff Hoffmans of the world. They got to be better. They got to be better than the Buck Farmers of the world. And I like Buck Farmer, but they have to go get a legit kind of middle relief dude. Um, not necessarily a closer. I think they've got their closer or at least their ace of the bullpen. As Steve and I like to talk about, we we're not all in on the whole. He only pitches in the ninth thing, just as he did today, pitched in the eighth. But I think that overall you, you've got to add to the bullpen this season because they've got to support Alexis Diaz. I want to talk about Alexis Diaz and a comment that the YouTube guys made that 
kind of floored me. Not not gonna lie. I know that we had um, we had uh, Perez on the broadcast, but it was the play by play guy, and I, I'm blanking on his name. But he said something about Alexis Diaz that absolutely fired me up and I was so excited to hear somebody else say this because quite frankly I'm the only one that's been saying that well Steve's been agreeing with me but yeah we'll get into that here in just a moment but looking ahead because the Reds are in Milwaukee tomorrow and you got Nick Lodolo on the mound that's right uh Alert, 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 a game that you can pay attention to. <laughs> if you've if you've not been hanging on to every pitch of the Cincinnati Reds here recently, do it when Nick Lodolo pitches. And Nick Lodolo's pitching tomorrow. Bet online doesn't hate the Reds in this game. Now, part of that is Milwaukee's been on a bit of a downward swing. Plus, they have Jason Alexander, don't call him George Costanza, pitching for the Brewers. Now the Brewers are still favored, according to Bet Online, but the Reds money line tomorrow night is plus 133. I'm at least a little bit intrigued by that, although right-handers have been more of a bugaboo for the Reds this year than left-handers. Go figure on that one. The lineups actually hit left-handers well this year. But plus 133 on the money line for the Reds. The over-under is at 8.5. I have mentioned here lately that I haven't touched the over. For those of you that know, um, you'll probably be like, good, he's, he's recovering. I might... I don't know. I might sprinkle a little bit on the over to, to my, uh, Friday night's game with the Reds and the Brewers. But according to Bet Online, plus one thirty three on the money line for the Reds. And if you want to check out th- all of the information that you need for your next great bet, head on over to Bet Online because that is where the game starts. Thanks again for checking out this live edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. You and me talking about a Reds win. Reds win four to three over the Chicago Cubs. Big big night of, or afternoon at the friendly confines for Alejo Lopez, Jonathan India, Kyle Farmer, and uh, really Nixon Zell had a nice little bat in there late in the game as well. But there was a comment about Alexis Diaz that I absolutely loved. The play by play guy said. One of the best relievers in baseball. That's word for word. I haven't heard that about a Reds relief pitcher since Aroldis Chapman was here. And with good reason. They haven't had one. They haven't had... I mean, TJ Antone, for a moment there, had an argument. I'm a little bit worried about him coming back. TJ Antone's going to be an interesting question mark that we talk a lot about this offseason because having missed as much time as he has had, and, and this being his second Tommy John surgery... What are we reasonably expecting to see whenever he returns? Is is he going to be a different guy? Because there's a very good chance that he'll be a different guy. And what does a different TJ Antone look like for this bullpen? That intrigues me a lot. But Diaz is absolutely the ace of this bullpen. And I could see, maybe even next year, a reality where the two best relievers in baseball have the same last name. Edwin Diaz and Alexis Diaz, both being brothers. But I loved that he is starting to get acknowledged by national broadcasters as one of the best relief pitchers in baseball because the combo of that fastball and that slider. Now, I know he threw a cement mixer to Seiya Suzuki, and honestly, his spot for that cement mixer was still pretty good. Like, 
if it had actually broke a little bit, that definitely would have been a ground ball. But the, the more that I watch that pitch, I'm just like, you know what? Suzuki was swinging at a pitch that he thought was a fastball. It was a slider, but it didn't move because it was just a cement mixer. So, yeah, he hits a home run off of that. Honestly, those are the kind of pitches that are going to happen to Diaz every so often. But I said this earlier on. I said that, yo, elite pitchers, elite relief pitchers, will give up a home run every so often because relief pitching is a fickle thing. Even if, I mean, heck, you can just look at Josh Hader. Josh Hader come busted before he got traded from the Brewers. And since he's been sent to the Padres, he hasn't gotten any better. In fact, the Padres for the last, I think, two or three weeks have been closer by committee with Josh Hader in tow. So, yes, one day you can be the best and the next day you can be the worst. But Alexis Diaz is definitely inserting himself into the conversation. I've been saying this, Steve's been agreeing with me, and now we're seeing other people see it too. Alexis Diaz is one of the top relievers in baseball. And I absolutely love to say that. It's just who else are they going to support him with? Where else are you going to go, right? If you're David Bell, who else can you have confidence in? Because this bullpen's kind of rough right now. And I do like this. And, um, Shout out to Carrick Melvin for uh, looking at this. So you got Diaz, Antone, Sessa, San Martin, Santillan. Now, the interesting thing about this is you're talking about two guys who are currently hurt. Antone and, San- and Santillan are two guys who we saw success from. We saw them pitch well. And I really wanted to see a big year from Santillan. I kind of thought Santillan would be where Diaz is now. I kind of thought Santillan would take another step this year. But Injuries have derailed that, and when he was healthy, he was rough. So that wasn't the case. Overall, looking into the future, Sessa, I almost wonder if they don't turn him into and and it's a it's a guy I've been talking about a lot over the last couple of years. I think of Brent Suter for the Brewers, right? I don't I I haven't looked at his stats here recently to know exactly how he's doing this year, but I know in years past, he has been a phenomenal long relief spot start kind of guy. And Luis Sessa has shown that if you need him to pitch longer into a game, he can do that. Cowboy was talking about his performance early on in this game, and he's just like, he's really excelling at not trying to throw a 97 mile an hour fastball. He's doing a good job of throwing 92, 93, locating it, changing his speeds, dropping his change in, dropping his uh, slider in and things like that. So I'm very interested to see what they do with Sessa moving forward, because I don't think you can immediately slot him into the rotation, but I think he can be an interesting swing guy. I like this question here. Ray Cannon baseball said, what about Lucas Sims? friend of the podcast, Lucas Sims, have a couple of interviews with him. Um, I think we uh, the most recent one was from this past offseason. He is coming back from a heck of an injury, and I really hope he bounces back in a big way, but he is coming back from disc surgery in his back. The fundamental nature of his mechanics may change. That might change who he is as a pitcher. And I love the intensity that he brings to a game. I love the intensity that he brings to this bullpen. But I do wonder about him. Both, I mean, Anton, Ses, or Anton uh, Santion, and Sims are all huge question marks for me next year because we've seen him do it. We, we've seen him have the talent. But are they going to bring that talent with them whenever they're healthy? Hard for me to say that right now. 
This is an interesting question, and I appreciate Debbie for asking us. Which catchers do you think they will keep when Tyler comes back? There, there's a lot of guys that we've seen behind the plate this year. And to be honest with you, I think... So let's do this. When I, when I look at the catching options that the Reds have next year, let's do a quick power ranking of who has played a game at catcher for the Reds this season whose name is not Tyler Stevenson. I think number one, you got to give it to Austin Romine. Austin Romine has done a fantastic job with his pitching staff. And I know that the numbers aren't there at the plate. He's had a couple of hits, you know, nothing crazy. But that's fine for a backup catcher. You just want a guy who is sound defensively, and he is sound defensively. I also like Chucky Robinson, and honestly, you could say it's a 1A, 1B thing with those two guys. I don't don't know that I ever need to see any more of Michael Papirski or Chris O'Kee or Mark Colesbury, maybe, but he was always profiled, even in the minors, as a light hitter. And if you're a light hitter in the minors, I don't know what you're going to do in the majors. There are a couple of dudes that are coming up who will be up in, a, in the next year or two that do have some good bats, but don't necessarily know where they're going to be when it comes to um, they're behind the plate defensively and calling a game and things like that, which honestly, when it comes to calling a game and real quick uh, sidebar on this, I'm on a, I'm on a sidebar kick today, but when you're talking about catching and, and guys calling a game and things like that, I think that comes with experience. Like sure. Tyler Stevenson started off as a pretty good caller of games, but for the most part, it's just about learning who you're working with, learning the pitchers that you're working with and learning what they do best. You don't know that when you just meet them. Like, I mean, unless unless you're meeting Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer or something like that, and you know what they do. A lot of these young guys, they need that veteran presence. So I think I kind of um, give the nod to Austin Romine being the guy next year. Now, the question is, and I got to look this up, what is his contract situation? Because... has options that'd be kind of cool or you know if he's in arbitration but if he is a free agent next year i wonder if the reds pass up on him no he's yep i am maybe you get him for around the same he's currently signed at 700k um i think when you look at the ability to bring him back, if they could bring him back for 700K, 800K, something like that, for one more year, that's cool. Because it'd be nice to have that veteran behind him. And we've talked about this in the past, and something that we will talk about a lot this offseason, is Tyler Stevenson needs to begin the transition to first base. Now, with Spencer Steer in tow, I wonder what that means. Because... We have said in the past that it's kind of elementary at this point. There is nobody coming up behind Joey Votto. You need to start moving Tyler Stevenson to first base. But with Spencer Steer coming up and showing that he can field at first base and he can hit pretty well, wonder if that changes things. Because there's, there's such a weird conversation when it comes to Tyler Stevenson and something that I don't think there is a right answer to. And that is... Is he injury prone or is he fluky? Because I don't think he himself is injury prone. I think he plays an injury prone position. 
you know, different foul balls coming back at him, different uh, wild pitches going crazy that he has to dive in front of it. And I know every catcher deals with this, but the kind of value of having his bat in that four hole versus not having it at all, that makes me want to, want the Reds to reconsider him catching every single day because I want his bat in the lineup every single day. And if that means you can get more out of him playing first base or DHing or something like that, I'd like that. And I know that there's value of having that behind the plate, but if you're going to risk it, if you have him behind the plate for 100 games and he's hurt for 62, or you can tell me that he plays a little bit of catcher, mostly first base and DH, and you get 140 games out of him, I'd rather do that. Plus, I mean, him batting fourth is, is just going to be phenomenal. Also, a good shout-out, uh, uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand. Looking forward to him developing. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. And I know people are tired of hearing about prospects. But guess what? That's what the Reds are for the next couple of years is prospect talk. But Christian Encarnacion Strand is a very interesting candidate to replace Joey at first. Which, by the way, Joey's going to be comeback player of the year next year, so mark that down. But yeah, that it's been an interesting discussion, I think, about Tyler Stevenson. I feel like there's a lot of passionate opinions one way or the other. And I feel like there is no right answer. The only right answer is what is best for him and what is best for the Reds. And if that means getting him in the lineup more, can you tell me that he's not going to get hurt that much behind the plate moving forward? If you can answer that, then sure, keep him behind the plate. But yeah, first base is going to be interesting now with Spencer Steer in tow and, and Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, let's, let's see here. One more. I'm going to do one more question. <laughs> Ray, this is a question that Steve and I have been trying to figure out as much as anything because when he went on the I.L., I think it was kind of understood that this was a little bit of innings management, making sure that he didn't tax his arm. Now, I think I continually said, like, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, service time management. It's not service time. It's it's just injury. It's just innings management, keeping them low. So it makes me wonder, was he hurt, or are they trying to kind of CYA a little bit? But why is Green still pitching in AAA? He's only got a few starts left, and he might as well just pitch in the major leagues if he's going to do that. And that's totally right, because it's not as if he is down there working on a pitch. It was Barry Larkin that said on the broadcast a couple of days ago, he's just like, people always talk about guys going down to AAA working on something, guys working on something during practice, guys working on something during the offseason. The only place that you can successfully work on something is in a game. And not just any game, a major league game. If you're going to be a good major league player, you got to do it in a major league game. So if Hunter Green is working on his changeup at AAA or working on a new pitch or something like that, he should do it in the major league level. Because let's face it, this whole idea of whether or not Chase Anderson's going to start again or whether or not we're going to continue to roll Luis Sessa out there every fifth day, which don't get me wrong, Luis Sessa has performed admirably in these spots, but I, I just want to see Hunter Green pitch up here. If he's pitching, it should be up here. I don't understand the AAA thing. 
It, it makes no sense to me. And, and he's got another start coming up on Sunday in AAA, which I'm not going to see. I'm going to be at the uh, Bengals game. <laughs> but I, I don't know why it's not going on here in the major leagues. But I do know this. The future is bright. And we've gotten away from the talk about the game, but this game just showed me a lot of great things. I mean, Alejo Lopez, kind of like we mentioned, he is the kind of guy who can really play himself into a rotational role, a bench role, a pinch hit kind of guy when this team is good again. I'm not just talking about 2023 for Alejo Lopez. I'm talking about you know 2024, 2025, things like that. I really have loved his growth as a player. You've seen some good stuff from Alexis Diaz, who is now being considered one of the best relievers in baseball. And could the Reds have something in Luis Sessa as a possible swingman type pitcher? Interesting question to see moving forward. But I know this. As the Reds finish up their season, we are in the home stretch, like I mentioned. We are going to have you covered every single day here on Locked on Reds. Thank you so much for checking out this live edition. And if you're uh, watching or listening to this uh, the day after, uh, thank you so much. Make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything that we've got coming for you. When you look at uh, this team, there's so much exciting stuff. The future is so bright, man. And this is something that I want to build on. And Elsie, I appreciate you commenting on this because this was going to be uh, my lead-in. So our first episode next week. How long do you think David Bell will be the manager of the Reds? Love to hear your comments on this, or love to see your comments on this in the comments section and on Twitter. I will give you a bit of a tease. I'll tell you on Monday what I believe is going to happen with David Bell and the future of him as the manager of the Reds. And Steve and I will talk about that. Steve will be back on Monday. Make sure you keep it tuned right here. Make sure you're following us on your favorite podcasting app on YouTube as well. Also, Check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 as it's time. It is time for regular season football. That's right. It's here. Check it out. The Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 brings in all of the Locked On NFL team experts, brings them all together, and Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets for a betting angle to get you ready for the NFL season for 2022. That's the ultimate pro football preview 2022. You can find it on the Odyssey app. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify, a.k.a. everywhere you see Locked On Reds. Keep it right here because we'll be Locked On Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.